Hey guys, does capitalism have you down? Does the constant pressure to be productive get to you? Are you tired of being a cog in the machine? Then we invite you to be a part of the revolution against toxic productivity by embracing the useless things. Welcome to episode 65 of the Very Unimportant People podcast. Do less. I'm your host, Courtney, and this week I went on a little mini vacation. Vacation! And I'm your host, Lydia, and this week I procrastinated a project and uh, it ended up going pretty well for me actually (laughs) i think Uh, i know what project is this the project that you sent me pictures of all weekend yeah (laughs) this project's amazing absolutely amazing i'll let you tell everyone about it but i had so much entertainment (laughs) i love it so much so basically it's for my strategic storytelling class and the strategic storytelling class is really more creative writing and being creative in any way you can so for example the first project was writing a short story the second project was a podcast, a two-minute podcast. And then the third project, which is the one that I procrastinated until literally the very last <laughs> minute, was called Photo Voice. And um, mm, basically... I've done this before. Yeah. So um, she gave us a theme, which was heist. Just the Ooh. word heist. And like the whole thing was... Um, Uh, designed around this idea that you have to like define heist and you have to do a series of 10 photos and then a description like a paragraph long description giving the context about the photo and giving some sort of like information backstory something interesting obviously it had to be well written with like correct grammar and some like Mm. quotations and like some intrigue and like you know some some drama behind the scenes and stuff like that and like a conflict and a main character and protagonist all this stuff whatever I actually talk about this class a lot I realize this is like the third time I brought it up on the podcast anyways uh, yeah (laughs) anyways so for like a week leading up to this project I was like uh, talking to my roommate and I was like Kayla listen we need to go out and we need to take some photos for this assignment like we need to do heisty things like blah 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 and as I was telling her I realized that I actually heist a lot in my life like I (laughs) didn't need to go out and take any photos in the end because i have only heist photo like i literally took one picture for the assignment no i took two and like that's it and like the first oh god and like the first page is just such a strong start like i just didn't know how i was gonna defeat like that strong ass start from the beginning it was basically um the heist was the concert that i was telling you guys about last week Mm. and i started it off the first sentence you get is a man is merely a wallet waiting to be raided And, like, it's a picture of me holding my phone. And, like, on the phone, there's, like, a conversation that says only $100 per person. It's not even that bad. Like, it'd be a great date (laughs) idea, dot, 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 and all this stuff. And then um, at the end of the paragraph, after I was talking a little bit about, like, the context of the heist and, like, why I wanted to go to the concert and stuff like that, um, the, uh, the last sentence. And this I am honestly a little worried about, but in, like, an ironic way, possibly, because Mm -hmm. I feel like professors what i have learned is that they love like crazy shit like just be unhinged and just choose a side and just fucking do it like they just want yeah i think you're right they are bored Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so the last sentence is like oh of course the real heist was when he got to sleep with me at the end of the night and so the heister becomes the heisty Or becomes the heist dead, whatever. And it was, yeah, I was like, ooh. I handed it in. I was feeling really confident about it. And then I read it out loud to my friends yesterday. And I was like, 
uh wait a second (laughs) (laughs) this might be inappropriate for a school setting might be a little too far so we'll Mm. see what happens i'll keep you guys updated please i think it's gonna be probably okay and the rest of the photos i just like picked random ass pictures from my life like the sun junkies concert that i was telling you guys about a couple weeks before that about how like basically a summary of the podcast yeah honestly honestly um when i was smoking a jaunt on mont tremblant like i talked about that in it as well like yeah so many just podcast stories too were just included in this assignment and um including like why i don't like paying for the ttc every single time i get on it because if i'm riding like two stops then Mm. i don't see the purpose in like paying for it every single time because i would literally go broke and so like my (laughs) method is to pay for it like twice a week because of the amount of times that i ride it like if i'm riding two stops every like three days or something like that then mm-hmm. i don't technically i don't see the you purpose per in paying stop. for You're it like every time like <laughs> i budget you know like <laughs> <laughs> and then i talked about my parking ticket too and about how i got my car towed and how i was like that's my villain origin story that is why the way that i am i keep giving obscene <laughs> amounts of money to the city and um yeah overall like it was just a really fun assignment to do and i realized that i'm not an honest person i actually endorse stealing and i am (laughs) very like i'm very happy to steal from like the government or from people who are already taking my money and want some more for some reason so is it stealing is it that's the real question Mm -hmm. i think i learned that although right like although i'm not the most honest person i just feel like people are really just trying to get my money in any way that they possibly can and like Mm -hmm. it's a problem when i steal from them but they are technically stealing from me as well like things don't need to be that expensive aritzia (laughs) (laughs) when did you steal from aritzia i didn't steal anything from aritzia but i took a picture of kayla who stole something from aritzia (laughs) and then she wore my jacket on top of it and then she um so like her entire outfit was like heisted i said in my project Mm. and then she went to work and then they told her that she had to take the jacket off because it looked like a rain jacket and it's a leather jacket it's like a fake leather jacket and they were like that looks like a rain jacket like you can't wear it like at work and so i was like the real heist was the clothing company who sold me this piece of shit jacket <laughs> that can't even be worn in fancy establishments. <laughs> oh, yeah. So if the first one gets an F, I think the mm. nine other ones are much yeah. more appropriate for school. <laughs> and like, we're all adults here. It's true. Hopefully she'll just be like shocked into submission. Yeah, I, th- I hope so too. You know? Uh, yeah, it doesn't and go like, too how deep would you give you a, How would you give you a bad mark on that? Yeah, I feel like you could fight it really would... easily. You'd be like, what's mm-hmm. the problem? Yeah. Are you slut shaming me? Are you? Yeah. Girl? I could, yeah, I could just turn it around, right back around on her. And honestly, I think that people are actually quite intrigued by other people's sex lives, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that maybe it just added a bunch of interest to the story. Yeah. So whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I fine. think it's going to be fine. <laughs> Keep us both with them. Uh, yeah, I just hope I get a good grade because I'm not, I'm not sure I understood the assignment as well. That's the problem <laughs> too. <laughs> you really like, committed to something. Yeah. I, I really hope you understood wholeheartedly it. wholeheartedly <laughs> to the bit. Like the bit has been committed to, and I'm just not a hundred percent sure if I was supposed to like make up a story or if I was supposed to like do. <laughs> if I was supposed and to, you like... just like overshared intimate details of your life, and she's gonna be like this 
This was supposed to be <laughs> fiction. It was supposed yeah. to be a work of fiction. Then you can the- just be like, it is. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I tie it all together. And, like, it's it all makes sense somehow. And it all is within the theme of heist. And she just said that we need to define heist. Not that, like, it was a very open assignment. But I think mm-hmm. that a lot of students are going to go down the route of creating a story in yeah. 10 photos. And then, like, kind of having a, a beginning, middle, and an end. Whereas mm-hmm. mine was a little bit more freeform, I guess. And, like, although the photos did connect and they all were defining heist in, like, a more day-to-day way and in, like, how yeah. heist plays a role in my life, I I don't know if it was exactly the assignment. But maybe I'm thinking outside of the box. Like, maybe she's going to love it. <laughs> I feel like, based on my understanding of photo voice, because <clears throat> I had to do a photo voice assignment in mm-hmm. grad school, which was weird. Oh. Um, and we had to yeah. we had to That's define secure. like the social determinants of health or something, which is significantly less fun. Mm. But it was basically kind of what you did. It was like taking pictures that represent um, a way that you understand it, or like yeah, a role it plays in your life, or a way that you've seen it play out. Mm-hmm. It was just yeah, it was it was oh, pretty yes. easy it peasy, like yeah. free form. It's thing. almost like a creative like assignment, even though that yeah. was a very n- not a creative like uh, <laughs> thing <No. laughs> to do it on. <laughs> they, tried they tried to help you yeah, like have really fun tried. and be creative with it. <laughs> so yeah, I'll let you guys know how it goes. <laughs> how was your little vacation? Oh, it was good. Um, me and Sinead, we went to Vancouver, so not too Local, far, but we got city. to ride the ferry which is honestly so much fun like it is the superior mode of travel Hmm. like trains planes (laughs) automobile they got nothing on the ferry it's just so you just like drive on you park your little car and you go upstairs they have like a full cafe they have like comfy Mm. seats and you just sit and you just watch the little like gulf islands go by and the sunrise and it's just so nice and so chill and also there's something really nice about being able to travel with your own car like, yeah. it's just, there's some comfort to it in, like, you know, if you're packing and everything doesn't fit in your bag, like, you can just throw it in your car. That's and, like, so true. It, it just feels just like you have a there. little, like, piece of home with you almost when you're, like, traveling <laughs> with your own car. That's so, so sweet. Yeah, I really love the ferry. I like traveling by ferry. So that was nice. Mm-hmm. And we went to go see um, Billie Eilish which was Billy! so good. I recommend <laughs> if anyone has the opportunity, which you might not. I mean, if you're in the States, you might, but I think she's done all of her Canadian shows. Oh, okay. so, fair enough. Yeah. Actually, she postponed two of them, so maybe she'll come back. You never know. Mm. But it was good. 10 out of 10. Highly recommend. Um, we also saw Cirque du Soleil, which was also 10 out of 10. <laughs> Would recommend. It was just That's a so fun weekend. Awesome. Pandemic's but- over, baby. <laughs> I wanted to talk about like a weird experience that we had that kind of ties into a theme of all of my stories on the podcast. Can I guess? Is... Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Like some sort of socially awkward, yeah. anxious. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like that anxious. It was just like we had a lot of weird restaurant experiences uh... where like the restaurant scene is just very different in Vancouver than it is in Victoria. Like in Victoria, people are really happy that you come to their restaurant. But in Vancouver, they're not. Oh. For some reason, they don't want you there. And, like, so the first night, <laughs> the first night we went out with, um, like, a friend of mine who lives in Vancouver. And we went to this, like, cute little, like, vegan restaurant. Really yummy. Um, and then, 
like we were finished our meals and stuff like that like we had to get to a concert so we were kind Mm. of like let's go and the meal took a little longer than we thought it would and I had to go to the washroom so I went to the washroom and I came back my friend and Janae were like laughing and um I was like what happened and my (laughs) friend (laughs) my friend was like oh like Janae almost just like dined and dashed and I was like what do you mean and apparently like the waiter person came over and she was like hey um are you guys done the meal and then she said something and like Janae didn't really catch it and you just said yeah Mm -hmm. and apparently the person had asked if they had already paid oh yes and so the girl started to walk away and so my friend was like no 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 wait 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 like we need the bill bring us the bill and then so they brought the bill but then they just forgot about us they just never came around with the machine so they gave us the bills and we waited like a good 15, 20 minutes, like trying to flag someone down. But oh like nobody God. wanted to like look at us. And we were sitting there and we're like, we're just, we really want to be good people. We really want, we're just trying to pay for our meal. Yeah. But you're making it so easy to steal from you. Like, <laughs> this is not a good business model. Um, and then eventually we like, we not even a heist. To, <laughs> no, we just to like flag someone down and, you know, we paid for our meals. We got to the concert. All was good. Um, and then. <clears throat> the next night it was just me and Janate that were going out mm-hmm. and um you also like need reservations in vancouver which i didn't like know. for every wow for oh most places and of course we didn't make a reservation and we left it to like eight o'clock to get dinner on a friday night which wasn't a good idea ah, um, fair enough. but yeah it just seemed like every place we went it was like an inconvenience to them oh my that we God. wanted to eat at their restaurant like one person like we went up and we were like hey you know we're like you know a table for two she was like, do you have a reservation? And we were like, no, just wondering if you had any like spots open. And she mm-hmm. was like, well, I'm full right now, um, but I guess that could change in like an hour to 45 minutes. <sighs> and we were like, okay, like what's the system here? Do you have a list? Do you like, you know, because sometimes they text you when they have a table ready. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, no, you can come back and check in an hour if you want. I might have a table. Jesus we're like, Christ. We're obviously not going to do that. <laughs> we're yeah. not going to wait for an hour to come That's back in, so check in with yeah. you. With yeah. your silly little restaurant. Oh, my so God. weird. What kind so, of games are these people playing? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so we walked around a little more. We got turned down by, like, a couple more restaurants. Finally, we walked into this restaurant, and they had a table, but the hostess was just so mad at us. We're like, we're looking for like a table for two. And she was like, of course, the normal. Do you have a reservation? Oh, my God. And we were like, no. And she was like, well, I guess I guess I could put you at the bar. Whoa. And we were like, yeah, that's literally fine. We don't mind sitting at the bar. Yeah. And then she was like, Ugh. and like led us to this table. Didn't give us menus and just walked away. Oh. We're like, what kind of customer? Like, it literally feels like no one wants you eating at their restaurants. I think they've achieved, like, a certain level of popularity where they don't need to be nice to people anymore. People (laughs) just come. (laughs) Holy shit. I know. insane. And then brunch the next morning. They were really nice. They weren't mean to us for coming to their restaurant, for choosing to give them business. Yeah. Um, But we, we ate our food and we waited for, like, a good 20 minutes. And no mm-hmm. one ever, like, was like, hey, would you like to pay? And there was also a line outside of people waiting to eat. Oh. And oh. we were just sitting there, also at a bar again. I, kind of a bar. It was like a diner situation. Yeah. So we were just sitting there for, like, 20 minutes. Oh, my like, trying to flag down people. But no one wanted to <laughs> let us no pay for our food. Money. We were like, do we just leave? They Is were food like, free in dash. Vancouver? Are we being weird? <laughs> <laughs> it's food free in Vancouver. Yeah. So... <laughs> 
just weird dining experiences. That's People are so just interesting. So mean. What is the fucking culture in Vancouver I that know. they feel like they can? act like that to people and they can be so rude that's insane i also like went to the store that sells like um like menstrual underwear and Mm -hmm. i had seen their ads on facebook or Mm -hmm. instagram and i was like oh my gosh it was kinks i was like oh i know that like that brand that's cool that they have a store i didn't know that let's go in and it was 10 minutes before they close which i know is generally not a good practice but Mm -hmm. it was a small store you know we're just gonna pop in Mm -hmm. and we're like opening the door and there's a girl coming from behind us and i guess she worked there Mm -hmm. and she was like uh you know we close in 10 minutes right and we were like yeah (laughs) we'll be out by then (laughs) we're still open (laughs) want to look around and so we walk in and it's the weirdest showroom ever they just have like a couple of pairs of underwear like hung up and lined up and then there's all these drawers that are unlabeled oh and i opened one and it didn't look like customers were supposed to be in there because there was no guidance it was just kind of like a pile of random stuff you know i didn't know what was going on in there so i figured that someone was supposed to help you yeah and be like these are the styles what size do you want Mm -hmm. and three sales associates stood there and watched me just like awkwardly filing through the underwear and then Janina was like, just go, just go ask, go, go ask them. And I was just feeling so uncomfortable at that point that I was like, no, I just need to get out of this store. We're just going to, we're going to order them online. Holy but it was just shit. so strange that like, I was clearly confused. It yeah. was clearly a setup where I can't help myself. Yeah. And they just stood there and watched me. I was like, I was going to purchase one of your that items, but now insane. I'm going to not. <gasps> I know. Oh my fucking so God. Mean. They're so entitled. Like, what the I hell? Know. You're literally in business because of customers coming to your store. I know. Like, that's I so get that I was there 10 rude. minutes before close. I'm sorry. But it's underwear. Like, how long is and it going to fucking take to open? Away? Yeah. And their store was so small. And there's nothing for them to put away because there's nothing on the floor. Yeah. Except for, yeah, like, one rack of underwear. Right? Oh, my fucking so God. Strange. What is with the people? God. They know. have some sticks up their butts or something like yeah. that. They just see, think they're so much game. better than you. Like, maybe they recognized for some reason that you were from the island. And, like, maybe, maybe. there's some sort of unknown beef between island people and maybe land people. And, like, they, <laughs> land they, people. Just, they just, like, figured that you were... I don't know. Maybe they they got a vibe from you that you were the island people. And then maybe they're jealous. And maybe that's why they were being so goddamn rude. Probably it. Probably it. Yeah. So, fun weekend, but weird experiences. Mm. Yeah, that is weird. Anyways. um, Yeah. I'm going to go first this week, I think. Woo! Yeah. And this week, I wanted to talk to you all about electric scooters. Because... There are no electric scooters in Victoria, but there are a lot of there are a lot of electric (laughs) scooters in Vancouver, and I've never really like seen it before. I don't, I've never really lived in big cities, and I know that they're popular in big cities, but this was Mm -hmm. like my first interaction with like a big electric scooter culture, and I was really into it, and like I really like it, and I really want one, yeah, and I think. My opinion in all this is that it brings light to a bigger issue of um, transportation and sustainable transportation. But we'll get there. So there's a slightly intelligent um, opinion that happens at the end of this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
I just thought it was really cute. Another, sorry, in Vancouver, one thing that I noticed was that a lot of people that do like DoorDash and Uber Eats and Skip the Dishes, Mm -hmm. they do it on electric scooters, which I think is (gasps) really cool. And they're probably like making bank because they're not paying for gas or anything like that. And they're just freaking whizzing around the city. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know? Do you mean like the standing scooters or do you mean yeah. like those sitting ones? Okay, the standing ones. Okay. The standing ones. Oh, just damn. like a little. Yeah. Yeah. And I was That's like, that really is literally smart. so smart. Yeah. It's a good business model. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to go through the history of electric scooters a little bit and then we'll get into a little bit of the present. Um, okay. So back, going back in time, motorized scooters are actually, they might be older than cars. Which oh, I thought was interesting. That's the first, cool. <laughs> like motorized scooter was conceptualized in the 1800s. Oh cool. wow, that's okay. a long oh, ass so fucking time ago. Scooters first, which is really cool. Um, oh, that's and then so sick. the official like first electric scooter that was designed for human use or adult use um, was designed and patented in. 1913. It was invented by a guy named Arthur Hugo Cecil Gibson. It's a really mm. long name. <laughs> um, and he filed for his patent was filed for a self-propelled vehicle, which he would later call the Autoped. And this was the first electric scooter. Cool. Now, no, it wasn't the first electric scooter. Sorry, first motorized scooter. This one was. Oh, okay. It looked like a stand-up scooter, like the electric scooters that you see, but it had like a gas engine Ooh. because electricity wasn't. Oh, okay. I, mean, I guess it was okay. a thing, but it, like there weren't really like batteries and stuff like that. Yeah, so. yeah. They just put a motor on it, and they were like, "Okay, it'll get you there." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like scooters weren't a thing before this. This was also like the first kind of like scootery idea. That's cool. Um, and he explained his autoped as a vehicle that will be extremely small, compact, and light in comparison to the load to be carried, and will sufficient sufficiently power to offer adequate means for quick locomotion under mm. ordinary conditions and mm. relatively extreme economy in use and operations um <laughs> okay. so that was you a lot me in the but first he's half. basically <laughs> he's basically saying that it's going to be a small vehicle um that can carry people very well mm-hmm. and quickly yeah um yeah in Perfect. ordinary weather conditions. Oh, right. I don't know no, why he had to say it like weather. that. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's basically that's what he was saying. That's just how people talked. Like, people used to talk way differently, like, back in the day. They loved using their big, big old words. Yeah, just no, tell me what know. you actually what mean to fuck? say. <laughs> um, and so in 1916, they began their first, um, like, they opened their first factory and started to produce electric scooters. Or not electric scooters, but I guess motorized scooters. Um, and they were produced in Long Island, and they sold for a hundred dollars. Oh, dang! I don't know what that is in today's money, but I think it was a hundred dollars in nineteen sixteen. Y'all okay. can do your. Own I was just doing this math for my part, so I actually have the page open. A hundred dollars in nineteen sixteen is equal to two thousand six hundred dollars. Okay. okay. In twenty twenty two. Okay, so I feel like that is the price of, like, an e-bike now. So, mm-hmm. comparable, I guess. Um, and the earliest ads called it the motor vehicle of the millions. And they said that the autoped is an ideal short-distance conveyance for business or for professional men and women uh, from their place of business for physicians to make their regular daily calls to or to answer hurry calls 
for older children to go out quickly for outing or for school mm-hmm. all will enjoy the comfort and pleasure of the autoped so they basically yeah. marketed it as the vehicle for everyone for everyone every has a use person. for the autoped um and in its time it was enjoyed by male service people army bases and suffragettes which is really hmm. interesting because the ads were kind of geared towards more male audiences mm-hmm. but the autoped became really really popular amongst women and no one knows why and no one's oh. really done too much like research or looking into it but most sources will just mention like women, women really it. like scooters yeah <laughs> so women i don't know i don't know if it was like maybe market, but. um more affordable for them because it's more affordable than a car and yeah. this is in a time when women like didn't really work or didn't have ownership over their own finances yeah so maybe it was like a little sense of autonomy for them something that they could buy for themselves and get yeah. around for themselves it wasn't like their husband's car or their totally. dad's car or so and it offered them a really little bit cool. of independence too and it wasn't yeah. up for debate like you had to go by yourself to do something because there's only room for one on a scooter <laughs> there's only room for me sorry yeah. Yeah, sorry exactly. honey you'll have to stay home with the kids <laughs> yeah <laughs> I can't take them with me. (laughs) Um, They also became really popular amongst police officers. And then consequently, gang members also started (laughs) buying scooters to get away from the cops on scooters, which I think is really funny. Because I just picture like the gang member on these little scooters and like the cops chasing after them. Wearing helmets. (laughs) It's so adorable. I I know it's not adorable, but it's an adorable little picture in my brain. Yeah, yeah, it is. Because yeah, I associate scooters with children and like innocence normally. So for it to be like just put into the hands of cops. Cops and the gang members. Yeah, just zooming around. <laughs> Little putt-putt. <Yeah. laughs> it was pretty funny. <laughs> um, but not everyone were happy about the motorized scooter. Uh, people who liked bicycles did not like the scooter. Oh. Um, the cycling press, which was like a, I guess, a newspaper, mm-hmm. they called it a freak. And the sun <laughs> called it a solo devil wagon. Of course. They're like obsessed <laughs> with the devil in 1916. Like, I don't everything know is what like was the devil so bad about a scooter. Yeah, seriously. What the fuck? But it was the devil wagon. So well, do with that what you will. That's so funny. <laughs> the devil wagon. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so although it was popular and people were buying it it was technically illegal under the highway act in 1835 oh um and so like the original ads and the original sales they didn't do as well as they kind of hoped that they would or their projections were they didn't hit their goals so they were forced to shut down in 1921 um and then the scooter kind of died for maths <laughs> A long time. 70 years. (laughs) For like 70 years-ish, no one really heard much about the scooter. Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. in the 90s, everything changed when a Swiss businessman created an aluminum foldable scooter. Oh. With inline skate wheels. This was not motorized. This was just a scooter. Yeah. And it was created by... Yes, you did. And it was created (laughs) by Wim Otuber. Um, And this scooter is what would later become the Razor kick scooter. That we all had as kids. Yeah, that's so fucking cool. Yeah, right. And you could like spin it around and like do tricks and and shit. Freaking break your ankle. Yep, (laughs) that's the one. (laughs) Damn, yeah, that shit hurted. Mm -hmm. But they were fun. Fracturing our ankles like every day, just a little, (laughs) (laughs) just permanently like bruised ankles. (laughs) Yeah. And 
So it was popular amongst kids eventually, but it was actually originally built for adults. Wim never wanted to sell it to children. Um, oh. Wim had like this dream. Not this, like this, this idea that was later like given a name and the name is the first mile last problem. And it's this idea that there's a certain cutoff point where most pedestrians are not comfortable with walking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's almost, like, this gray space. So there's a cutoff point that's normally about a mile where people don't want to walk further than that. But then there's yeah, also, like, a cutoff point on the other end where it's not practical to drive because it's so yeah. close. Especially in cities because I'm driving... that life, yeah. With, like, traffic and stuff mm-hmm. isn't great. Um. So, yeah, that's called the first mile last problem hmm, that's really interesting yeah. that's and so cool. he kind of dreamed to fundamentally change urban transportation and envisioned a scooter with a rear mounted rechargeable battery to solve the issue of the first mile last problem that's so, so that people cool. would have a way to get to these little places yeah yeah convenient yeah. it would be faster than walking you don't have to get stuck in traffic like mm-hmm. hmm, that sounds really really awesome i it's a good idea a and it's a problem that we all have <laughs> yeah and where's the there's a stat on this ah so about 59 percent of all trips that are made in cars right now are trips that are for places that are like less than six miles. Mm-hmm. So most of the trips that we make in our car are for short distances. Mm-hmm. So if we could cut mm-hmm. that out, things would be a lot better. Oh my God. But that's, would be fantastic. that's today. Let's yeah. get back to the history of the scooter. All right. Okay. So this was his vision. He wanted this electric little near so that <laughs> adults could have better lives. Yeah. But the president of the JD Corp, which was the like American sector of razor scooters Mm -hmm. um he had a different vision and this was with children so they started producing razor scooters for children and marketing them um and so by 2001 7 million children's scooters had been sold and Mm, it was named the spring summer toy of the year in the year 2000 wow that's so cool yeah and then they kind of tried in 2003 to make this electric scooter because Wim was like i want this so bad but batteries weren't really up to par yet so he, they made it but it didn't really last long like the charges didn't last long yeah and the battery yeah. was pretty heavy mm, oh, and so that was, yeah. the electric scooter once again died Aww. and it died for about 10 to 15 years and during this time lithium batteries got more and more powerful and they got smaller and smaller perfect and finally success. Up for success <laughs> finally in um kind of around like 2015 to 2020 this is when um electric scooters really became feasible and a lot of companies started jumping on the electric scooter mm. train now there was like seeing a, them an arms race for the mm-hmm. ele- <laughs> of the electric scooter who's gonna make the best one <laughs> yeah and they became really popular amongst people in tech so all of these oh. cities that are like tech hubs that have all these like, you know, oh, coder yeah. guys running around, they freaking love scooters. So they of took course. off in all of these cities. Yeah. Um, Early adapters, you know, they're like, this is going to be the next big thing. Yeah. I'm <laughs> hacking. Not only am I hacking my biology, but I am hacking my time. <laughs> I see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it kind of became a big issue in these cities because they became popular almost overnight. Like a couple of tech people started using them and then it was literally like a week later and everyone had bought one. (laughs) 
And it created such a problem because cities don't have the infrastructure or rules to yeah. deal with electric scooters because this was something that had never really be- been seen before. So no one really knew where they were supposed to be when they were on a scooter. Like do scooters, because they're kind of, they have a motor, I guess, like a right. battery. So are they supposed to be on the road? Can they use the bike lane or should they be on the sidewalk? Because like mm-hmm. when I was a kid, I would ride it on the sidewalk if it was a busy street. So that yeah, kind of seems like safer. a viable option as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like your whole body is exposed. Like you're pretty close to the ground. You're, no, you're basically a pedestrian just in terms of like yeah. how you're standing and stuff like that. But you're also going so fast. So yeah, and I, it's kind of like, but it's also at the same time, it's dangerous to be on the road when like you don't have protections whole, yeah. of, yeah, your body is just out. Mm-hmm. out there anyone can That's hit it true. knock you over you can fall yeah i think bikers do face that like almost mm-hmm. every day but yeah <laughs> maybe it helps that they're a little bit more elevated like that they're kind mm-hmm. of more up there and that like yeah. yeah they're not being protected but perhaps they are up higher so maybe that helps a little bit with visibility um, yeah with, i also like, feel like bumps and like gravel and stuff like that probably affect a scooter a lot more than a bike yeah 100 percent. because the wheels are smaller so like even like the tiniest little rock could like send you flying (laughs) pretty much (laughs) pretty much um so basically lots of cities were running into this issue and a lot of cities actually ended up banning electric scooters from their cities because dude they didn't have any other choice right no yeah once again, they were like, they were clogging up sidewalks, streets, bike lanes. Um, people didn't know the infrastructure wasn't there to like store them either. So if you got to your oh, location, okay. there's bike racks, but where do you put a scooter? Mm-hmm, so they were mm-hmm. like clogging up literally people parking them on the side of sidewalks in parks mm-hmm. in front of accessible ramps for people to mm, in wheelchairs shit. to get up into buildings. So yeah, they had to do something about it. And so some of them completely banned scooters. San Francisco in particular, where they kind of really blew up. Um, they did like a partial ban where mm-hmm. only two companies were allowed to have a limited 625 permits a year for their scooters. Damn, so then they could at least like, like permits for this shit. Yeah, they could at least limit the amount of scooters that were on the streets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow, that's crazy. When tech is just so ahead of its time that we're just not ready for it. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> Slow wow. down there, buddy. That's so intense. Yeah, and then something really interesting that started happening, specifically in, um, I think it was San Francisco, is so scooter rental companies are becoming really popular. And these rental companies are ones that are completely like app operated, um, kind of like the rideshare cars. So Mm -hmm. you have an app, it tells you where the nearest scooter is. You go, you click a button that says, I want to start riding this scooter. It kind of tracks you wherever you go and charges you by the mile or whatever. And then when you're done with it, you just leave it there. Yeah. And then somebody else can come pick up and ride it. So it's really convenient, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the interesting thing about these companies is that they have this weird charging system where people can apply to be what what are called juicers. Um, <laughs> it's called juicers with one company, but with another company, it's something else. But basically, you apply <laughs> to be a person that charges a scooter. Wow. Um, and then if you're approved, you get access to a special app. Mm-hmm. And this app shows you where the scooters are that need to be charged, mm-hmm. how much they need to be charged. Um, and people can make, it's kind of like a sliding scale. So it's an algorithm based on um, how much it needs a charge and how long it's been without a charge. So you get more money if it's 
really down on juice and it's been a long time kind of thing. Mm, mm-hmm. So it's a sliding scale, but you can make about $10 per charging a scooter. Okay. Um, and so most of these people that become like juicers or chargers will spend an hour or two in the evenings picking up scooters, charging them, and putting them back into specific locations. Wow. I've always wondered how they stayed right. charged. That's really what cool. Happens? Oh, it's yeah. like a little side hustle. Huh. And you'll like this. Some people even compared the charging system to Pokemon Go. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's like you open the app, you look for the scooter, and then when you get to the scooter, there's literally a button that you have to press to claim the scooter. Oh, my God. And it takes it off the map for everyone else looking for scooters. So it's almost like a race to find the scooters. And, of course, let's layer this on top of it being in a really tech-heavy city, which means um, a lot of... Uh, men <laughs> a lot of masculinity a lot of masculinity in the city I see so it, it became yeah. really cutthroat and competitive so <laughs> there are collectors <laughs> who have created ecosystems of stockpiling um misguiding and decoying in order to make the most money and keep other juicers away from the scooter so there's literally like little gangs of people that all work for one person and they'll go out and they'll take scooters and hide them. Oh my fucking And so God. if you hide them, it kind of like takes longer, you know? Yeah. So the value goes up because it's been longer without a charge. And, and they just hide them. the scooters from the people yeah. until they're ready to charge. That's so fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. These people, wow. Anything for 10 bucks, eh? Like the <laughs> Literally. Hustle. The hustle it's out crazy here is crazy. Honestly, though, at that point, I feel like it's not really about the money. It It's a game. It's literally just That's a it. game. It's yeah. fun. Like, you get to compete against other people and try to outsmart them and try to, like... <laughs> they literally, yeah, they made it into a game. That's um, funny. Yeah. <laughs> They're just playing and with our so lives. <laughs> people actually in, um, like, San Francisco and some of these other bigger tech cities will go so far as to getting into physical fights when two oh. people arrive at the same scooter going to charge it like they'll fight each other to get the scooter um and then there's some scooter bounty hunters which they call them <gasps> that make between 20 and 30 dollars an hour doing this wow let's go okay yeah, yeah. so these imagine like, going to work is just like picking up scooters, <laughs> scooters and hunting and them and like them. hiding them and like yeah. bounty hunter that's so fucking crazy <gasps> so they like unknowingly oh. created this monster yeah of a game slash little... job it <laughs> <laughs> sounds like fun to be honest like i can it see does. myself being like a lord of a group of people <laughs> or something like that i'm just trying a to poke master like... yeah poke master <laughs> drug lord pokemon master <laughs> leader like of this little gang that's just like goes out and picks up the things for me and then i'm in the background like running the technology trying to make sure that we're the first ones to get to the bikes i'm like where's my where's my sneaky guy i know my <laughs> sneaky guy is sneaking around <laughs> hey yo <laughs> where you at dude that oh, sounds yeah. like fun it's gotten a little crazy got a little out of hand definitely um, took it too far <laughs> so obviously the electric scooter presents a lot of dilemmas for cities but they also present a lot of opportunities so mm-hmm. as i said previously 59 percent of all trips made in cars are made are trips that are six miles or less so in theory if we were able to convert all of these trips into another mode of transportation such as the electric scooter the electric bike or just normal scooters and bikes as well those count too um <laughs> We could have a lot less congestion and pollution in the city. Yeah. And by reducing the amount of cars, we could also increase the space 
for other vehicles to safely travel. Oh, I see. I see. Mm-hmm. I see mm-hmm. where like you're, some people where you're coming from. Even envision this. a carless city. Yeah. You know, when you get into the city, you have to park your car outside of the city. And then if you want to travel into it, you have to find another mode of transportation, which I honestly think is a good idea. I think cars, uh, they smell bad. They, they hurt your lungs. Bad. They're really loud. So loud. Constantly they're just unnecessary. And, and like you can't get anywhere mm. fast in a city with a car. No. So they're just useless. <laughs> yes. It's honestly, there's, it's, there's like no point of having one. Like it's cool to have one. It's cool to have the freedom. But yeah, you could just park it outside of the city. That's funny though. I imagine like a circular like perimeter of just like parking <laughs> Cars. lots outside of the city. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I feel like that could also cause some other like um, implications too. I'm not sure exactly what they would be, but probably mm-hmm. running out of parking. Forever yeah. going to be an issue. Forever. <laughs> gonna be Always going to be an issue. Actually, what's kind of interesting is that some cities to encourage people into using other forms of transportation have converted um, roadside parking spaces into bike lanes. Oh. So they are actually reducing the amount of parking in cities. Yeah. So that's probably They're why like, you can never out. find parking. <laughs> Don't ever bring your car around here. Hmm. And so some of you might be thinking, hey, these sound cool. Why don't I see more of them in my city? Mm-hmm. And specifically, if you're from Canada, you might be thinking that. And that is because they are still illegal in most Canadian cities. So, oh, no. <laughs> in because BC, of the, like... The infrastructure, gangs? the rules. Oh, okay. No, not because of the gangs. No, th- <laughs> oh. this is personal electric scooters, not like electric scooter. Like also the rentals are illegal mm-hmm. too, but you can't even have personal ones to ride around. Oh, um, and it's just because they don't have the infrastructure. It's not yeah. safe. Um, all of these things. So in BC, we currently have a three-year pilot program that ends in 2024, and you can only ride scooters in Kelowna, Nanaimo, North Vancouver, Richmond, Vancouver, Vernon, and West Vancouver. If you're mm. anywhere outside of those spaces, it is illegal to ride an e-scooter um, within these wow. spaces. If the speed limit is less than 50 kilometers an hour, you can ride um, in a bike lane. And if the speed is over 50 kilometers, you have to... Wait, hold on. Less than 50 You can go 50 kilometers an hour oh. on a scooter? No, 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 no. <laughs> That's so if you're on a road, crazy. If you're on a road that has a speed limit for a car that is mm-hmm. over 50... You have to be, you can be on the road or in a bike lane. And then okay. if the speed on that road is over 50 kilometers, I think you either can't ride them on the road or you have to be on the sidewalk. Something like okay. that. Okay. Yeah. Safety, safety, safety. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Safety number one. Yeah. Um, and I did, you know, of course, a little research for my co-host here because she's not in BC. In BC. And <laughs> uh, they're currently illegal in Toronto. Because Toronto declined to be part of the Ontario e-scooter pilot project. Despite this, there are thousands of scooters being ridden (laughs) around the city. (laughs) Yeah, everywhere. (laughs) And this is because most law enforcement um, don't have the resources to really ban you. So if you're wearing a helmet and not on the sidewalk in a bike lane, there's not really like... they they don't really know what the ticket is that they're supposed to give to you. Oh. You know, they can get you for not wearing a helmet. They can get you for being on the sidewalk. But if you do right. it safely, it's more trouble than it's worth to give you a ticket. Yeah. I'm yeah. not... Don't blame me if you go riding a scooter and you get a ticket. Do your own research. <laughs> don't take this as fact. But basically, that's kind of what the consensus is, is that they probably won't ticket you if you're doing it safely. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Cool. I guess yeah. that means that they low-key do see the benefit of it, but I don't think they wanted the sharing thing to happen. <laughs> they, they probably just, saw like, that have bigger issue. problems, you know? Yeah. They're like, 
whatever it's a, it's just, a guy on a scooter yeah we'll let him ride go. around <laughs> he's just enjoying his life <laughs> oh interesting yeah. i wonder why toronto didn't want to be a part of that i mean I definitely know. the infrastructure like I they don't thought that was rude too they could barely figure out their bike lanes like i they yeah. won't be able to add in scooters and shit like that and like people are very angry in the city like driving everyone yeah. else super sweet like super happy to be here you know but like the cars <laughs> the worst fucking people <laughs> so i yeah i can't imagine yeah. that like some sort of altercation between a car and a scooter person would go well <laughs> at all yeah do not recommend yeah so check out your city see mm-hmm. if scooters are legal before you do it but also i guess bringing it back to the opinion because this is kind of the end of my little spiel it's just that like we need to start figuring out ways to solve that issue of the last mile first problem or whatever oh, yeah. it is. First mile, last problem. I forget mm. which way it was. Um, and we need to just replace that 59% of car rides. Like, I feel like that would solve a lot of the issues that we're seeing in the world right now and, like, reduce pollution so much and reduce congestion and save a lot of lives. So oh, yeah. save that a life, so awesome. ride a scooter. <laughs> whoa i love that save a life it's a beautiful day to save lives everyone <laughs> just on your scooter <laughs> or like an e-bike or again regular bike yeah but regular bike that's not as like to... convenient you know like if you could just like cruise and do nothing yeah because then you don't arrive up. somewhere sweaty too that's yeah. the biggest thing is that like showing up after biking like i need a solid like 10 to 15 minutes of cool down time mm-hmm. if i'm Maybe getting like somewhere a change on bike of clothes yeah definitely yeah. definitely hmm. yeah I feel you. that but is you could just arrive cool. just in style on your little scooter or e-bike yeah. that would be cool and i would do it i would stop using my car a lot because yeah. it sounds fun yeah i would 100 percent be on that thing It'd be so fucking convenient, bro. Oh my god. That'd be a game changer. Uh, are you ready for the second half? Hell yeah. Yay! <laughs> okay, guys, welcome to the second half of the podcast. This week, I'm going to talk to you guys about something that I have just recently learned existed. Um, It's called Sears Homes. So you may know the brand or like the company Sears. Uh, They've Mm -hmm. been in business for like 250 years. What? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Okay, wait. Are they still in business? I thought it didn't Sears shut down. Um, I'm not sure. So this company, I think Sears, it kind of rebranded a couple of different times. So mm-hmm. Sears at this point in time, which is going to be the early 1900s, um, yeah. was called Sears and Roebuck. And so it was Ooh. just like kind of a company combined with another company or this is how they started and then they got sold into like one other thing. But if Sears doesn't exist anymore, you bet your bottom dollar that some sort of affiliate with Sears probably gotcha. still exists, like something like that. So this is how Sears, <laughs> I guess, got started, whatever, kind of cool, that like big name, <laughs> making homes randomly. So Let's get into it. Sears and Roebuck had this catalog that they would send to families across America. And it was advertised that like anything from the catalog could be like shipped to your house or like taken on the train to your house. And the catalog weighed about four pounds. Pretty heavy book. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> it was like a oh novel. Molly. And like you just kept it in your house. Like you never got any new ones or anything like that. You wow. just 
held on to it and it was just like something to look at like on your coffee table or something like that almost like Did a they phone update it almost like a phone book yeah i think they released a new one every year mm. um so wow. and it was always like a bunch of just like random ass shit anything from like clothing menstrual products um mm. sheep shearing tools like things that you needed in the early 1900s because everyone was like farmers what? and stuff <laughs> and then one year in 1908 near the end of the book you could flip open a page and you could see a house. An entire two-story house for $1,700, which in today's money is about $50,000. So fucking cheap. Um, and something else that's interesting about this catalog and then we'll get into the houses and stuff, is okay, how okay. the marketing guy, Richard Sears, he made this book um, like an inch smaller than their competitor's catalog book because he <laughs> knew that the housewives who are cleaning the home would mm. instinctually put the smaller book on top of the bigger book and it would cover up the other one. Isn't that so fucking That genius? is so smart. Yeah. it was. That is like wow. insane level brain thinking. Anyway, so from 1908, to 1939 about three decades you could buy an entire home from sears that's wild <laughs> the houses ranged from 400 to three thousand dollars um and like i was $400? saying hundred like, dollars yeah four hundred dollars nine hundred dollars is about twenty five thousand dollars in today's money in today's money standards yeah Wait, what's four hundred dollars four hundred dollars well the thing is that um if you get a four hundred dollar like home it wouldn't always be the full home like some of these homes didn't have indoor plumbing and some of them like you could only buy a garage um or it was like a shed Mm -hmm. or it was just like any different types and styles of homes so yeah pretty much so four (laughs) hundred dollars uh would be equal to two thousand five (laughs) hundred dollars honestly i'd do it it's like a I tiny would buy home. A home. Yeah, I'd buy a home for $2,000 if it didn't come with plumbing. I can pay for the plumbing on top of that. That is so much yeah. better than a million dollars. A million dollars. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. It's so fucking crazy. Um, I'd buy a home now. Yeah. And how it worked was you would look at the houses in the catalog. You would choose the one you wanted based on some criteria. So that is some, such as if you wanted the indoor bathroom, um, the size, the how many bathroom. rooms you wanted. Yeah. Because you could also buy an outdoor bathroom for an extra like $200 or something like that. An outhouse? Yeah. You could buy an outhouse. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> like on a lot of the farms, they they did have outhouses. Like that's just how a lot mm-hmm. of people lived. But if you wanted something a little fancier, a little indoor ski, then you can have that. Um you could also pick the style. There was different names for them. The Greenview, the Hamilton, the Chelsea. Mm. And in the end, they totaled 447 different house styles, ranging from like fancy houses with French doors and glass, stained glass windows to just like quaint three room, no bathroom, one floor homes. You could get hunting sheds. You could get big, beautiful homes. They even made a school, a six classroom school. And they would advertise their home in the Sears catalogs and then sell you the stuff from the Sears catalog to put into your home or into your shed or into your school. So it was just like oh this circular God. kind of marketing scheme. Um, so the home like a kit home. Yeah, like, it would whoa. get shipped to your house via the train. You would get this giant ass storage like train car delivered to your piece of land and they would send you all of the parts. They would send you walls. They would send you lumber for the framing. They would send you hardware, mantelpieces, painting materials, 
doors, windows, doorknobs. And all you had to do was factor in your own cost for labor and for yeah. building the foundation. Which is just digging a hole in the ground and then and pouring And they just cement. gave you like a monster freaking instruction manual. <laughs> and you could have your entire home built via instruction manual. <laughs> and people fucking love this shit. They got I, everything. I would do it. Right? I would do it in a heartbeat. So fun. <laughs> you could design your own home. You could ask Sears to make blueprints for your own home. Send over the design, go back and forth with the architects, and then they will send over every piece that you need to get the home built. Like, it gave people choice. It gave people freedom to design their dream homes or to even just, yeah. like, look own at houses that they never even own. Yeah, literally just to own <laughs> just a accessible home. accessible home ownership. <laughs> literally. Jeez. That was fucking insane. And, um... Yeah, and you could just, like, kind of build it with a couple of your friends, you know? You could hire some mm. carpenters if you want, but they uh, want to remind you, do not ever take the carpenter's advice for building it. Follow the instruction manual to a T. Otherwise, something might go wrong. Carpenters think that they know everything, you know? But the instruction manual is God. <laughs> um, so, like Sears was also, wrong. after... <laughs> Whatever. Okay. <laughs> after... <laughs> like carpenters know what they're doing. Years. Yeah, probably. But they were like, don't listen to carpenters. So Don't you dare. Yeah. Maybe they took shortcuts and they didn't want carpenters people to take shortcuts or something like that. The devil. <laughs> the devil wagon. <laughs> um, Sears also started doing this thing because they saw an opportunity. And during this time, after a few years of doing mm. the houses, it was very successful. Um, so they started handing out, give it, handing out maybe is the wrong word, but maybe not, mortgages. So they would do five to 10 year, 15 year mortgages, six to 7% interest. Not bad. It's, mm. I mean, I don't know a lot about mortgages, but I think that's completely doable. That all meant nothing uh, to me. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So wait, they, how, wait, sorry. How many years were they? Five to 10 or 15. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. 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 Because okay. like normally now mortgages are like 20 to 30, 30 years, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So they were just like, yeah, you can pay it off in probably five, 10 years. And honestly, like money was a totally different thing. Um, and so they went around the bank. Um, they had their own complete separate financing options that were, had nothing to do with the bank, um, which was literally perfect because at this time, uh, there was this practice that the banks were doing called redlining, where they would draw a red line around certain neighborhoods and they would not allow those people to receive loans or they would just give them like really insane interest rates. And like, yeah, it was it was pretty fucking horrible. And those people just weren't allowed to like buy houses or rent gate money from the bank or anything like that. And Sears was like, who Fuck fucking cares? We don't <laughs> ask for You got money for from shit. me, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they would give, all they would ask for, it was very, very easy to get a loan from Sears. Um, mm. All they would ask for is 25% down payment on the house. Mm. Um, as um, And the application didn't contain any questions about race, ethnicity, gender, or even finances. <laughs> Like, it shouldn't. Finances, I understand. Me too. <laughs> but the other questions, like, how are they relevant to a mortgage yeah. application? Yeah, exactly. Banks. Like, it's just banks laughing at the bank. <laughs> um, and so they, yeah, they were just, like, living really freaking large. They were just giving out large sums of money. And they also were finding out that the ability to, like, mass produce the materials and mm -hmm. use them in the homes lessened the manufacturing costs. So they were also saving a lot of money. 
and that lowered the purchase cost for customers. So the more people that were buying them, the cheaper that they were. <laughs> Not only um, did they pre-cut the material, they fitted the materials and they shrunk construction time down for by 40% because of this type of framing yeah. style that they used called balloon style. Um, they used drywall for like one of the first times it was like kind of new to use drywall. They were like using plaster before that and then mm-hmm. they brought in drywall. And then they also used asphalt shingles. And oh. that was a really big pro for a lot of people because shingles at the time were made of tin and they were noisy and apparently flammable. Don't ask me how, but asphalt is not flammable. So fucking fantastic on like eight million different corners. <laughs> I, I know the roof right. of your house. <laughs> no, yeah, flammable seems give, like a good idea. Also, how is a metal flammable? That confuses me. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Maybe because it's hot. I think maybe maybe it's like a magnifying glass type of situation where the tin like reflects the sun and like focuses it on some wood or something, and then it like, catches spark if it's super dry. I'd really. <laughs> I don't. I didn't. Asphalt good. Tin like, bad. Yes. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Sears. <laughs> um, so the balloon style framing was this type of framing that did not require a team of skilled carpenters. Um, as previous methods did, the balloon frames were built faster, generally only required one carpenter to actually build the framing in the first mm-hmm. place. Um, and you didn't need it to be a skilled roofer to install the shingles either. Mm-hmm. It's all in the instruction manual. Um, the <laughs> entire process of putting together an average Sears modern home kit, which was about 25 tons of material and 30,000 parts, <laughs> took about 90 days. That's pretty good. That's not too bad. That's like, like a summer months? vacation. Yeah, seriously. And you could just be like, yeah, I'm working on building my house. And like people would call their neighbors over and like try to help people figure out their shit with their homes. People would get Aww. their kids involved and like get them to sort yeah. out the different planks of wood and like the nails and stuff like that. Exactly. And like a summer vacation. The framing down. They're off yeah. school. <laughs> Go build a home, you guys. Get your ass over here and work. There's no summer camp this year. No, summer camp is building your home that you will be sleeping in in the winter. So um, maybe now you may be wondering like about the sturdiest sturdiness of the homes. Mm. Well, crazy thing today, more than a hundred years later, there are poss- possibly, it was very confusing to get numbers on how many Sears homes that still exist. But mm-hmm. one source said 152 known Sears homes still standing in the US. They did not sell to Canada because they were suck. <laughs> but enthusiasts <laughs> and architects believe that about 50,000 of these homes survive, even though they only know about 152 and in varying degrees wow. of condition from their like original appearance because some people might have renovated them or changed them around yeah. a little bit. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, and a lot of people at the time were really like impressed with these Sears homes because on some streets, the Sears home was the first street to have like electric lighting or, or, or like original plumbing or wiring or something like that like it was cutting edge to have that's cool so not only were they making it more accessible for people but they weren't just like cheaping out and like giving you cheap stuff they They were actually giving high quality materials man stood the test of time eight a hundred years almost like for some of these homes are probably over a hundred years old now and they're still standing they got a little bit of fixer-uppery going on but like whatever Mm. it's a home you know you have to fix it sometimes (laughs) (laughs) um 
And so the reason why we only know about 152 or we assume like that there's probably 50,000 in existence is that in the 40s, um, right after they went out of business, sales records were actually thrown out during a Sears house cleaning so convenient (laughs) and so all of the locations and the exact sales are all lost and so yeah yeah and so sears homes enthusiasts like online are actively searching for sears homes in their neighborhoods and sometimes you can't know for sure it's a sears home unless you go into the basement and like you look at the panels for sears framing or like a certain stamp um and some people don't even know they live in a Sears home until an enthusiast like knocks on the door and is like, hey, your house kind of looks like this thing from a catalog in the 1930s. Can I check your basement out? <laughs> and if you do That's find so yourself cool. living in a Sears home, then you're living in an unofficial historical landmark site thing. Yeah, it's like this whole little house hunting community. Um, and the only way to find them at this point, it's like a treasure hunt. And it's just one by one. You, there's no other way to be looking for them because the information doesn't exist. It was fucking put into a fire and just set up, set up flame. That's for no so reason. random. That one I know. person was like, Meh, we don't need these anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they had no idea how cutting edge the technology was, I guess. Um, the kit homes really took off after World War One when mm. uh, people wanted to feel very American and proud. And Sears used American pride to sell the kits to people. And they were like, it's very American to own a home. And so that's how they were kind of doing their marketing, whatever. In Which is like still a thing now. <laughs> yeah, literally. In 1923, Sears introduced two new specialty catalogs, um, modern farm buildings and barns. Oh, wow. I know. But then... Uh-oh. Sears' liberal loan policies eventually backfired. There was like a depression. <laughs> okay, Which I, one? I, I, the Great Depression? I believe so. The one that happened after the war. Depression? <laughs> or something, I don't know. Whatever that is. People were sad because there was no money. There was no work. It was post-war. You know, there was the roaring 20s after work. Obviously, this is basic history, guys. Come on. So there was no work for like a long time and everyone was really sad. And unfortunately, um, after seeing a high point in 1929 of $12 million, which is a shitload of money in today's money, um, only $5.6 million was actually theirs and the rest of it was just out in loans and it was waiting to get paid back and it took years to get this money back (laughs) because obviously the loans were out for five to ten to fifteen years like you could take your time to pay this shit back and like yeah um so after world war ii there was the rise of the suburbs um Mm. most sears homes were sold to new owners who like didn't really care that they were living in a Sears home. They didn't really see the value in it. They were just like, whatever, it's a house. Um, And then the company's reputation actually began to change. Uh, For some reason, I don't know why, but at one point they were this company who really cared about high quality um, for a low price or for like a reasonable, acceptable price. And then Mm -hmm. their reputation started to turn into, it's just about convenience and they don't care about quality. And so people started to get embarrassed that they were living in Sears homes and they would renovate them beyond recognition. Um. And this altogether kind of doomed the program. 
And by 1935, Sears was selling only houses, um, not like any of those schoolhouses or barns or like sheds or garages or anything like that, just homes. They weren't doing any financing anymore. (laughs) Um, And they sold their last home in 1940. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Sears Homes. And for a really long time after those records were lost, like it just Mm -hmm. kind of became like lost like people didn't really talk about it anymore no one really cared about it anymore um except for like a couple of super like niche people (laughs) who might have (laughs) written books on it there's a couple of books out here about sears homes um but in the mid 90s um this one woman rebecca hunter bought a book about sears homes and this kind of eventually led her to the new and like house hunting movement for sears homes So in her own neighborhood called Elgin, um, there were a lot of Sears homes which had not been renovated because of this crazy kind of coincidence that happened at the time that everyone was starting to get embarrassed by their Sears home. um, Elgin, sorry, Elgin Watches, which was a company where most of the town was employed, shut down. And so there was a small recession that was only local to their community. And so the neighborhood is kind of frozen in time because no one had the money to renovate their homes or change anything. And so everyone has like just their kind of serious homes and they were really blocked into neighborhoods. Mm. And so a lot like if one people, person purchased a Sears home then a lot of people would end up purchasing Sears homes and she found 257 Sears homes in her neighborhood and then a hundred others from other home kit companies and apparently there's still models to be discovered we might not even know about all of them and no one has ever seen the school no one has ever discovered the school yet (laughs) so it might it's still out there like do they know that someone purchased one no, sure, or? they have no idea. No one, someone might not have even purchased it. Like, everyone, nuts. check your local schools. Check Go your into local the basement, sc- be like, hey, I gotta do a little uh, searchy search. search. <laughs> <laughs> you could do, there's a lot of different ways you can identify the houses too. You can like mm-hmm. look at financial records, and there's like a list online of like eight people's names who were working at Sears like financing department. And they were like, if your loan, like if the original loan on the house was signed by one of these people, like if that's a criteria for meeting the fact that it might be a Sears home, and like these specific wow. stamps on it, and like there's a guarantee on it as well on some of the wood in the basement on some of the like um central heating as well was like a big deal for them but i feel like some of the heating might have been replaced by this point so i don't think that that's a very reliable (laughs) source (laughs) um and one of the most well-known sears homes was located in illinois and this standard oil of indiana uh built a million dollar development um, for the people who were working at the coal mine. And so it was intended, this entire development of Sears Homes was intended for these like 156 miners or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And they were working there and they were supposed to live and work there. And now today, these places have been transformed into bungalows, into different homes. And at the time in like the 19, uh, early 1900s, these places were regarded as unusually fine examples of worker housing (laughs) and now people live there people have little bungalows there and people set up shop and that's just how their lives are going and um yeah that's it that's all i got (laughs) that's cool i never knew that i knew that like um like obviously kit homes are like a thing but i feel like they should be more popular i almost feel like there's like a stigma 
around mm-hmm. having a kit home because it's I feel like it's perceived as like cheap. Yeah. It's perceived but as cheap. Owner, but like, home ownership do be uh, expensive. It would be so, be so cool expensive. to know the inside of your home too and to like really understand yeah. what went into building it and what is holding it up and like just a sense of pride of like building your own fucking house. That's so cool. That's so cool. That's cool. Now we all yeah. know. Everyone go check your basements. Mm-hmm. And if See you if live you in a Sears home, Sears. Um, you can go to uh, this like website and you can report that you live in a Sears home. Sears archives. And you could join other Sears home enthusiasts in talking about your Sears home and finding cool. out some history about how your home was built. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you'll Very be able cool. to sell it for more because it's a Sears home. Yeah. I bet they're coming back in popularity. There's going to be a huge yeah. surge in Sears homes. It's going to be sick. Yeah. So hold on to your house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our podcast is going to blow up. Yeah. And you're going to get a lot of money. You're welcome. You're <laughs> just kidding. welcome. <laughs> Uh, pretty fucking cool man thank you so much for coming to this week's episode of the very unimportant people podcast everybody if uh thank you for listening to <laughs> courtney's <laughs> sorry i forgot to do the summary thank you for listening <laughs> to courtney's um chat about um scooters and about scooter gangs. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. And I go get a scooter. And thank you for listening to my chat about Sears homes and about homes that come in kits in a box. And you could just build it. Just fuck go for it. Um, and if you want to hear more from us, we release a new episode every Monday. So make sure you turn tune in. And you can find us on Instagram at very.unimportant.people. And you can also find us on Twitter at theunimportantppl. And you can email us if you have any inquiries um, at hatersclickhere at gmail.com. And that's h-a-t-r-s clickhere at gmail.com. You can also find us on Patreon. And um, you can do that by going to our Instagram, clicking on our link tree, and then clicking on the Patreon link. Um, or you can try to look for us on Patreon and let us know if you can find us because that would be news to us. <laughs> um, and <laughs> other than that, you can also Prove find us, us on TikTok. TikTok is the place to be skis, mm. as you know. That's Come happening. join the hate. Come join the love. Whichever side you're on, we're just happy that you're there. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> we love the comments either way. <laughs> Come tell us we're idiots. We love it. We thrive <laughs> on that. And yeah, that's all for us this week. So have a great 